My guests today are Johnny and Youssef from propanefitness.com, and we're just catching up about what's been going on in our lives. I was away in London, Youssef's on a new rotation, and Johnny got COVID. We're also going to be discussing some of the recent news stories, including why breastfeeding now needs to be recategorized to be more inclusive, how being injected with the flu might improve your lifting numbers, whether the incel movement caused the Plymouth shooting, why Apple's new privacy updates are problematic for privacy, and much more. Don't forget that you might be listening but not subscribed, and it is the only way that you can ensure that you are never going to miss an episode every Monday, Thursday, and Saturday when they get uploaded. So just open your little podcast app, take your fingers for a walk, and press the subscribe button. I thank you. All right, quick maths. The less that your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have, the more money that you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce the costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you are improving efficiency by bringing all your business processes into one platform. Over 37 thousand companies have already made the move so do the maths and see how you will profit with NetSuite. Back by popular demand NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com modern right now. That's netsuite.com modern But now it's time for the wise and wonderful Johnny and Youssef Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the show. I am joined by Johnny and Youssef from propanefitness.com. How are you doing? Very good indeed. How are you? Very well, thank you. Nice protein shirt, Johnny. Thank you. Protein shirt. Protein shirt. My protein. His protein. It is it protein. Is my, it is, yeah. It's not your protein. My, my protein. protein. Yeah. What were you talking about your Kurdish hairdo, Youssef? Oh, yeah. So I have found... It, if you if you've never been to a Kurdish barber, you're missing out. Sometimes they they're Turkish barbers. I think the the one I'm at is a mixture of Azerbaijan, Turkish, and Iranian, and they always have some top tunes playing, and they give you the like. You can ask for the full treatment, which is like wax buds in your nose and the fire on a string, and like the hot towel on your head and all that stuff. Incense burning in the background. The full full whack meat in flat pieces of bread on the way out <laughs> <laughs> what an experience i'd go it just puts like the standard barber to shame yeah yeah uh, so chest feeding i found this article earlier on this is uh from the daily wire kirsty ali blasts trans terms like chest feeding calling them degrading to women Actress Kirstie Alley slammed so-called trans-inclusive terminology like chest-feeding over the weekend, claiming it degrades and nullifies women. It was unclear what sparked Alley's comment, but last week, as the Daily Wire reported, the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine published new guidelines on lactation-related language. Among the organization's recommendations is replacing the verb breastfeeding with gender-neutral terms like human milk-feeding and chest-feeding because, they claim, not all people who give birth and lactate 
identify as female. Whilst the vast majority of responses to Ali, including nearly 1,600 likes, uh, 16,000 likes, expressed agreement, she seemed to address the comparatively few critical replies about 15 minutes later. I'm a little tired of degrading and nullifying women and their abilities, she explained. Breastfeeding is one of our abilities. It's a beautiful and important ability. Knock off the nullifying of women for the sake of lunatics. Equal rights does not equal equal insanity. A few minutes after that, she added, it's our personal responsibility to agree or disagree with concepts. My only point here today is don't let insanity force you to pretend like you agree with the insanity. It's part of the insanity to shame you into agreement. Chest feeding, Yusuf. This is a clash between two different... Do you call it a civil rights movement? Two different social movements of the the women's ability to say this is our this this is a, a female anatomy and this is part of our remit, and others saying no, that's a gendered term and it is not inclusive for transitioning people. So my problem with that is that there is such thing as a male breast if it's if it's in the context of a breast cancer or something but a a breast is capable of lactating and a chest is not capable of lactating so to call it chest feeding is like a until you can have a chest which lactates i don't see how it, it is a more inclusive term you can transition and still have a lactating breast but once it becomes a chest then you can't. So I, I'm not really sure what the what their original point is to neutralize the language. Can a breast become a chest? Can a breast cease to be a breast? If I you think can have... I think it's too. A breast can become a chest and vice versa. But do you not? So a mammary glands they're they're just latent in men, are they? And not used, not being used. Yeah. So you you know a chest can can become a breast if you are a male taking female hormones and you you can form the and will they lactate? Yeah, I had. So I remember. The... I had a friend in school who was adamant that if you stimulated your nipples for three months straight for a couple of minutes a day, they'd start to lactate as a man. So, as a man. He, so he tried. He, I remember he tried to do it, and he'd sit in class and do it. I don't know where he ended up. I don't know where he is now. <laughs> That's a risky move. Like just just to try and prove a point, doing it to yourself. Just... It's not that it's risky. It's a couple of minutes a day. But what if it works? Then you, well, then you... you're a teenage boy with a with. A lactating but breast. You're, you're right. Chest. A lactating chest. Sorry. Well, well, no, hold on. Because you said there, there is a, a, a if if a, if a man has breast cancer, that's possible, right? Yeah. So so therefore, surely everybody has breasts. Has Everyone it? has potential for breasts. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah, you are right with what you say here. There's sort of these <clears throat> conflicting intersectional ideologies going on here that women want their spaces protected. But at the moment, it would appear that sort of trans rights trump women's rights so that the women's rights need to be folded in order to accommodate that. Well, so I've, I've just done a video about what is the <coughs> physiological advantage that trans athletes have in sport. And it's exactly the same thing. It's um, whether in the interest, in the pursuit of fairness versus the pursuit of inclusivity, those are both at odds with each other. And while we, you know, you, you want to be able to grant someone their right to their gender expression. But if that's at the expense of losing fairness in women's sport or in men's sport, in some cases, you, what you've what you've essentially got is someone who has a 
um, a similar background to someone who's who's had multiple steroid cycles or a, a multi-year exposure to male hormones and then is competing so the, the the point was that subacute testosterone suppression may not fully eliminate the advantage that it only needs to be for one year right you only need to be at 10 nanomoles per liter for one year and that's basically like doing a 30-year steroid cycle cycling off and then going to compete i don't know whether you saw that the ioc this weekend said that the 10 nanomoles limit is now going to be changed because some women yeah, are higher and some men high. are lower. Yeah, exactly. Um, but, you know, the, the, there's, of course, inclusivity barriers that that mean, you know, if you're a trans athlete, you face a lot of potential hate on social media and a lot of difficulty in feeling included in, in sport and so on. So it, it's not, I'm not saying that the social struggle is not real, but it's um, it's it's about how do you solve that problem? There's There's multiple constraints and parameters and to try and match the two is difficult. Yeah, because you can't even say, well, this person has this te- like hormonal profile now, therefore they should compete here because it's the history that we can't test for, right? That's really what determines. Has anyone done it in powerlifting yet, Johnny? Has there been any trans athletes in powerlifting? Not that I'm aware of. There is a there's a famous one. I can't remember the name, um, but yeah, very similar. All the all the famous examples I've seen have been in weightlifting. Yeah, which is, I don't really understand why that is. I would have thought to give weightlifters their due, their movements are a little bit more sort of technical. There's there's more room for, for getting things wrong. So as a sheer expression of power, which would be, there would be bigger disparities between men and women in the sport of powerlifting. I would have thought that that would have shown up in, in a wider margin. Uh- I'm not I'm not current enough with the, the current like the powerlifting world as it is mm. to, to know for sure. But I, I think if it if that is the case, I think probably the reason is that the, the weightlifting world just has higher like you can get to the Olympics, right? Basically, at, at the moment with powerlifting you can't. And so why that just doesn't exist. I think so. I think the re, the reason that I've heard is that it's it's an assisted lift in the sense that if you're doing a squat, you have to have spotters. And I think that's one of the reasons, and again, like I, I don't know the ins and outs, but I think that's one of the reasons why it hasn't been accepted as an Olympic sport, because you need other people there in order for you to perform. And I think if you think about all the other individual sports, that's not that's not the case. That's all like a, a, an athlete on their own demonstrating their ability and no one needs to be there to help them. Well, I've seen people in the gymnastic double uh, pole or whatever it's called when they have the two bars, the coach <laughs> often lifts the gymnast gymnasts up to get the first bar i know it's not quite the same but it's not a million miles off that's a good point i think so i think they're they are fighting to try and get powerlifting in the olympics have you seen um what zach talland has been talking about recently to do with the press out at the top of lifts in power in uh, weightlifting so it's a it's a no rep if when you go into the snatch you catch it with a slight bend and then push out um and there's he's just been finding lifts from the olympics where they're obviously really good lifts and someone's maybe caught it with a tiny little bit of a bend or maybe somebody's uh, biomechanics just have that bend in it and the judges have red-lighted them for something that just looks like a great lift. And there's no advantage. Like if I gave you the option of pressing something out overhead and catching it bent-armed or straight-armed, like you're making it harder. They should get like double gold for doing that. Yeah, I mean, anybody who can can press constrict press what they snatch or clean and jerk, <laughs> I, I think deserves um, recognition for that, not not a penalty. Super totally. So yeah, but the, the, there's these things I imagine in 
I imagine if you were to get really into like the the track and field world, there's lots of like little wrinkly rules that don't make sense. Did you but... see that um the there was a British guy who made it to the hundred meters final and you don't get any false start lives anymore. If you trigger the false start, that's it, you're out. Out. So this guy made it all the way to the Olympic hundred meters finals and apparently was was pretty quick and in with a good shot of, of being of placing quite well and set off too soon and then some Japanese a steward came over showed him a huge red card like it was like a a a2 piece of paper <laughs> just unnecessarily in, just big. in case yeah. everyone didn't see it and then he he didn't get to continue which sucked like Ima- imagine specializing in training in that sport for that long reaching the final and for 5 years since the last olympics oh, you'd be being so like knocked out on a technicality that is that is as basic as they come like so i i would have thought they'd be like oh sorry guys like start again Mm-hmm. But to be like, no, you're not even allowed. That's it. You, you used to be that you got one false start permission, I think per athlete or something like that. Um, but then they've they've obviously changed the rules, and he just set off too soon, and immediately he just knew. Well, th- this is exactly the problem with with all of these things. Like, as soon as there's a tiny bit of wiggle room, people exploit it and take the mick. Yeah. Like, if if everyone was allowed one false start each, you know that there'll be a race where every single athlete will just be like, oh, yeah. well, yeah. I've had my... So, yeah. Johnny, you had COVID. What was COVID like? Um, well, I mean, it, it's hard to sort of complain about it because ultimately I'm fine. And I know obviously a lot of people aren't or, or weren't fine, but it was, I would say, worse than I expected it to be, to be honest. What's that mean? Just, I, I don't know, like, like you, you kind of assume as someone who, like, exercises and kind of takes care of the health and i'm not overweight or any of these things you kind of assume like oh, it'll be a i'll have a bit of a sniffle and then it'll go away but it, i think it's more the <clears throat> like the total just completely feeling wiped for like four or five days straight um i i don't i, I don't know how you two feel about this but i don't remember aside from that the last time i was like sick or anything I haven't you, been ill since before 2020 because I didn't see anyone for all of last year. I didn't right. get ill. I, have, I literally haven't been sick since then. So I think it's probably, it's like temperature, right? I think it's the contrast. Because I've spoken to other people who seem to have had sort of a similar set of symptoms to me, but then also said like, yeah, but I, I get something like that once a year. I'm like, what? Mm. Like, what do you mean? But yeah, I think like, I suppose it depends on how often you, you get like a the flu or the, or a cold or anything like that. But when you um when you like try and train or try and like you like monitor try and maximize your sleep and like my throat was so sore for a period of time, like two nights in a row where every time I swallowed, it was like an eight out of ten pain and it woke me up. So like <laughs> imagine having like a dry, like really dry mouth and then you like you go and get a sip of water and, you, and then you swallow like just as you fall asleep yep, awake again. Yeah. And so it's like this cruel trick of like, you feel terrible already. And then you just have night after night of like interrupted sleep and it just spirals and gets worse. But yeah, it, it wasn't just like a, oh, I had a bit of a bit of a cold and felt crap for a day or two. It was, it was like a full week. Healthy training though for one day. For it. Yeah. For a, so the, the day I suspected that I had it, um, I, so basically, I went on a stag do, and uh, much to Yusuf and Chris's amusement, I, I was like super compliant for all of 2020. 
um, went on a went on a stag do to Manchester in a beer keller where the like one of the England games was being played, and um, you like sat there in the beer keller as everyone's like chanting. Given how much we love hugging. football, I as well. love football. Yeah, I was like I was over the moon to be there. Um, I hate football, uh, and everyone's chanting and like hugging each other, and you just sat there and you're like, oh, here we go. Here we go. And come on, the blues. <laughs> um, so like two or three days after that, I thought I, it's probably still just sort of lack of sleep and I probably don't have COVID. So trained, did a squat single, like a heavy single on squat. And I measured the bar speed of all my squats. Did this rep and I was like, oh my God, that that is the fastest that has ever moved. Like of all the reps I've collected, like thousands of reps, that is the fastest that has ever been. So I walked out of my garage thinking, like, I'm fine. I definitely don't have COVID. And then the next morning, like, oh, my God. <laughs> and you spoke so, to your coach. Didn't he say that that's like a, a previously used training enhancement? Yeah. So I was, I was telling him about it. I was like, have you heard of anyone else who kind of had this, like, window where um, as you were sort of dealing with the virus, you kind of, your performance improved? And he, he was saying it's like, a, like an old technique where they would, I don't know how true this is, but apparently they used to inject flu into strength athletes because there's this window where you kind of super compensate. I can see use of just sort of skimming over the, well, the literature the there. <laughs> that I've seen. Um, there's this period as you're kind of dealing with it where your performance is, is higher than normal, but then obviously you get the flu. <laughs> so you've got to, you've got to time it right. Yeah. If you get that one day early. Yeah. If the kaput. competition gets delayed, you're like, Oh, God, like the, there's some really brutal techniques that, like the USSR and Russia and like uh, some of Europe used to like not obviously there's the hormone treatment and PEDs and stuff but there's stuff like this like injecting someone with a virus or creating an abortion in a athlete like so getting them pregnant and then inducing an abortion to I can't I think it's to like manipulate their weight or something like that and you oh all these like what? they're just like messing with people's physiology just so that they can squeeze out another what does the abortion do I think it was used with judo athletes, presumably to help them make weight. I don't, I don't really. That's understand a heavy weight why. cut, that isn't it? Mm. I mean, you just, yeah. you, you, you just go on a longer, on a longer deficit. Yeah, it just in, seems like a sledgehammer. In like the the powerlifting competitions I've done, like at the international level, you realise quite quickly that like the Russian team, like that's their job. So you're going up against like. The, the British team who are sort of paying that to be there themselves, training in their spare time, have, you know, occasionally get a session in uninterrupted against literally people who not only have coaches who are willing to do things like that, but they're getting paid to do it. And the population so, of Russia as well. Yeah. <laughs> when, when your coach is making you get an abortion so that you make weight or inducing, inducing pregnancy and then making you get an abortion just so that you make weight, that's a level of Too intensity. Far. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you just... The UK, we're not going to go there. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody should go there, really. Like, I don't, I don't like where you're from as, a, as an. Aside. This is why the communists are winning, though, Johnny, because they're prepared to take it <laughs> to the places, whatever it takes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the mentality that they've got. It, well, I mean, like back to your point about um, like Olympics and powerlifting, like the fact that people are willing to do stuff like that and all you get is a plastic trophy and something around your neck and, and someone <laughs> patting you in the back and like yeah yeah it's fun but it is just just powerlifting you know there's not it's not yet a career and people the the people who win the 
the IPF World Championships aren't being interviewed on BBC News. You know, it's not, did, um, not quite the same. St- did model. someone pull 1,005 kilos this weekend? There was this Can't. huge... 1,000, yeah, sorry, 1,005... Oh, 505 kilos, sorry. Um, That's a big deadlift. So they That's had... Taking, to, uh, half the war thingy. No, so there was it was... a guy from Manchester. There was a huge event on this weekend, and Eddie Hall was there um, helping to present it, and they had 505 kilos on the bar. So Eddie Hall had it, and then... Yep, half uh, Thor. Thor had it. Yep. Took it off him very controversially. And then... Yeah, so Eddie posted on his YouTube channel something about a five hundred five deadlift world record. So yeah, you're right. Wow, I haven't seen it though. It's the first I've heard of it. Did yeah. they did they get the rep? I'm not sure. So I knew that they had it. They had the the bar all set up, which is a lot of weight. Like yeah. it's a lot of weight when you look at that. Well, it's it's too much for most. People. If anything, far, far too much. Yeah, they yeah. should take some off. If they, <laughs> you, you know, if they took so some off, easier. they would be able to do it more easily. Yeah, I know. Um, like I, I'd be able to do it if they took. If they took some off, well, everybody would at some point. Yeah, no one does it sumo though, do they? No one at that <laughs> level. Right, like, no one, no to... one that does it properly. No one that lifts properly does it sumo. There's, there's no drug testing. They're allowed to use straps. They can use bendy bars and big plates, but sumo deadlifting that is absolutely <laughs> off the cards. How dare you put your feet there? You cheating! <laughs> did you see the? Did you see the Eddie Hall? Uh, like the Eddie Hall versus Thor fight that was going to go ahead and then Eddie tore his Snapped bicep. Snapped his bicep, yeah. Fight. Fight. They were going to have a fight, like a boxing match yeah. in Vegas. Soon. The end of this month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was... That, uh, that would be have ridiculous. You seen the, have you seen the, the clip of him? Like he, He's just training yeah. and his bicep just goes... Bing! Like, well, like, so Did you I mean, see that on the undercard was supposed to be Josh Josh Bridges versus Dave Castro, the director of the CrossFit Games? What? Josh Bridges, ex-Marine versus Dave Castro, also technically ex-Army or Marine, but not not quite in the same sort of physical universe. Have you, seen, you must have seen the Dave Castro deadlift video. It takes 33 seconds for him to pick up like 400 pounds. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah. I Dave think I would back Josh Bridges. I mean, if they're both CrossFit athletes, like it, you know it's going to be a bit safer. But I think when you have someone like the two powerlifters who are so hyper-specialized in their sport... And then you make them do something that's really not related. Like, no doubt they're going to tear a bicep. Look at the difference in his weight, man. Look at the difference in how much weight Eddie's lost. It's crazy. He does, yeah. He's regularly doing these transformation photos because there's obviously uh, basically an unlimited amount of footage of him on this perma bulk <laughs> where he's a sphere. He's like 190 kilos or something like that. Yeah, he looks like a snowman. Looks like a snowman with legs. Do you remember when people started drinking loads of green tea because Eddie Hall said he had it like between meals? As part of his like daily it diet, tea, it was like um, it was like grapefruit juice or something. Something, something really like... irrelevant. That what what did Greg Glassman say that <laughs> that caused him to Floyd, get in trouble? It was Floyd nineteen. That's what he referred to the virus ah, as. That was Floyd it. nineteen. So oh really? Yeah, they didn't did post out a black square. This is a year and a bit ago. So for anyone that doesn't know, the ex uh, owner CEO of CrossFit. HQ um, was basically kicked out of his own company for not saying the right things and then for posting some stuff online. And then there'd been, a, I guess, some rumblings behind the scenes that he'd done things that people weren't happy with. He'd said other stuff that they felt was inappropriate in meetings. And then he was ejected from his own company and now there's a new director in. Just like every wise racist granddad. Yeah. Well, they, lost, like, they lost the Reebok sponsorship. No, right? that, was, that was already lapsed. Oh, really? Yeah, that oh, was okay. already lapsed. So that was already going to happen. 
Um, right. And to be fair, it- Noble make awful clothes, the new sponsors of CrossFit. They make terrible clothes, but they do make quite nice videos for social media. So. <laughs> Swings and roundabouts, really. Yeah, I know. Um, what's you've you're on a new rotation at doctoring? What are you doing now, Seth? I am on pediatrics. So didn't someone anyone... didn't someone once like some readers of the Sun or something once throw bricks through a pediatric doctor's window because they thought it was something else? Yeah. So so this is a an interesting kind of north south thing. I spoke to someone the other day who was like, so he's a registrar and he's a surgical registrar. And he was like, oh, yeah, I was thinking of doing peds because like it's the kind of thing that like you say in a bar and women love it. And they're like, oh, that's what I was like, really? He was like, yeah, down south, like in the north, they just go peds. What? So you're you're a pedo. And you're like, no, like so there's maybe a difference in understanding and perception. What's it be like dealing with little kids? it's just chaos because you like with with an adult patient like you can ask them a question they'll like can i have your hand please or feel your pulse whatever with a kid like they're upset because they're ill and they're screaming and sometimes you're like chasing them around and you have to like look in their tonsils with a with a big like wooden stick and to try and do that when they're like biting onto it and kicking away and stuff you you just it's just a bit of an uphill battle so you have to be a lot more opportunistic and kind of play with them a bit and um you know just examine what you can while they're while they're still allowing you to and anything that's like so you know checking the tonsils that's going to make them cry or gag so you have to leave that until the end you can't just (laughs) god (laughs) now um it reminds me of our friend julian who was teaching english in china and it was like reception level kids so like four years old and three and they gave him no prep. They just said, right, here's a plastic watermelon and a plastic fish. Off you go. You've got them all day. And he's like, right, okay. He just came into the room just going, eh, <laughs> toys. And they just started crying. He's like, oh, this is going to be a long day. From what I know, the kids at that age in reception and year one, it's basically playtime. And there's a transition between year one and two and then two and three <laughs> where the kids have their playtime taken away from them, but they sort of slowly introduce it. So they wean them off the playtime thing and they gently say, okay, so we need you to sit down on the, ca- on the carpet for 15 minutes and then you can have a little bit of a play area outside and often sort of play and school start to intermingle. But it is weird when you think, like if you'd done something for five years of your life, 100% of your life and also five years, and then someone <laughs> came in and said that particular modus operandi like someone came into you and said johnny you're no longer allowed to use omnifocus like you've used it for five years and the the central core tenet of your life <laughs> has now been taken away you'd be like i'm 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 sad about this so yeah they have to fight quite hard i think well the swedes do so they just don't do school until seven do they and then they outperform the rest of the rest of us why do you think that is so supposedly that the first seven years they just let them play and be kids rather than try and like sit them down and make them learn handwriting and stuff. And then by the time they're seven, they're like, Oh, I've had enough play play time now. I'm ready for football. Some serious work. Yeah. Isn't there's also the thing of like school start time. That was in the news a while ago of like this, they start school too early and kids should be allowed to like get more sleep. And that would act like shorter hours at school, but more sleep and more rest would accelerate performance. It's just one of those things that doesn't get changed. Some college in America um, had managed to reduce road traffic accidents by 25% simply by starting college an hour later. 
because all of these students were going Crazy. to bed going, going to bed too late, waking up tired and then crashing their cars. I've got quite a controversial opinion, which I'm, <clears> I'm sure you, you two would agree with this, which is that, you know, a while ago there was this big thing about offices being sexist because they are set at the temperature that men are comfortable at, but women are too cold. Okay. Saying that because men's base temperature is slightly higher. And uh, I, can, I mean, yeah, like that makes sense. It's, it's, a, it's a man-centric environment if they've set it around that. But you can't get cold easily, but you can you can just wear a jumper if you're... It's, sorry, you, if you're too hot, you can't... like Cool yourself do down like as easily, yeah. Well, it, it becomes inappropriate very quickly, doesn't it? Well, that's it. There's yeah. only so many clothes you can take off until it's problematic. Yeah, it's just generally, generally a bit of a minefield, isn't it? Well, I don't know, man. Like making everything. This is something I brought up on GB News on Andrew Doyle's show this weekend. Where I was saying, like, every situation that occurs <clears throat> is framed as if it's a small manifestation of some underlying huge conspiracy that's going on. It's yes. never just so, so. This this Plymouth shooting that's happened this weekend is a, a perfect example, and. You have this guy who has posted some stuff online and said that he sort of feels he's unattractive to women and kind of on his own. And this has been taken as uh, what, a, an individual who has been adopted like a terrorist group by the incel community. And this is a manifestation of a cis heteronormative patriarchal construct that now is trying to run rampant around the world. And you're like, well, you're taking away from it the individual's agency here. Like his mother had contacted the NHS for months and months, apparently saying that he was quite a troubled young guy and that they thought he had ADHD and was somewhere on the spectrum. And you think, okay, like all of this, everybody's life is so idiosyncratic and peculiar. How can you say that it's due to some underlying conspiracy that all men are a part of or all women are a part of or all trans people are a part of? It's not. It's just individuals doing things. It's it's chicken egg. You've all you've seen the Family Guy color chart thing. It's it, that's kind of got memed for a while, where it's like a picture of Peter Griffin wearing a fez, and it's like on the top, it's like the light color skin shades, and it says like um, nice guy with mental health problems, and then it gets darker and darker, and it's a terrorist. And it's kind of that. That's kind of what they've done. That of course, if there is a online group of people with toxic thoughts and behaviors of course somebody who is maladaptive maladjusted and is looking for meaning and some kind of group identity of course they're going to gravitate to that or if they're going to join isis or whatever like it's the the nearest local cultural group that you can say yes i like i resonate with that as to whether the group caused the behavior or the behavior just found the group and said yes that's convenient for me that's what's more difficult to yeah tell it's whether like if the community hadn't existed, would the would the situation have, have occurred? Like yeah. if the person was still as they were with the same underlying conditions, is is the idea of the act given to them? Then they're just more receptive to it than the average person. But so I read, a, read, read an article from Nama Cates, who has been researching the incel community for years. So for anyone that doesn't know about this, there's a guy called was it Stephen Davison. And um, yeah, Dave, Davison, 22, shot six people including a a three-year-old and a father and then shot his mum and himself 
Uh, and this lady who's done a ton of research said, it's striking just how inaccurate and irresponsible some of the commentary by self-appointed incel experts has been made in recent <clears throat> days. Take the claim made in The Guardian a day after the tragedy that incels actively recruit young men, recalling the tactics used by extremist groups such as ISIS. I've spoken to dozens of incels for my research, and not one of them has suggested this happened. Overwhelmingly, these young men find the content on their own, which isn't difficult to imagine for young people with internet access. That is not to minimize the potentially toxic effect of a fatalistic, misogynistic echo chamber in which misery and failure are celebrated, or to deny the possibility that some very vulnerable individuals with a predisposition towards violence might come across their community and use it to ascribe their vengeance to a greater purpose. The murder of 10 people by Elliot Roger in 2014 demonstrated this is possible, but the coverage thus far has focused on the incel angle to the exclusion of everything else, and at times cherry-picked details in a way that feels intellectually dishonest. For if we're going to look at the case of Jake Davison, honestly, we're going to have to look at the whole picture. Don't lose sight on the perpetrator and instead blame the entire group. Jake Davison, not Stephen Davison. Very nicely put. Yeah, exactly that. So it's the echo chamber, it's the the algorithms, it's your search behavior that like, if you didn't have those tendencies, you wouldn't be searching for those groups. You wouldn't be finding meaning in those kind of communities. So it's how, how do you pick that apart? There's a really good BBC documentary about incels. I think they took it down from YouTube. I don't know if it's still available and they find like four or five guys who all identify as incels, but they have different kind of angles and personalities and they follow them through. One of them is very kind of down on himself and has low self-esteem, but doesn't seem to have much kind of hatred towards women. And he's like, oh, well, I'm going to try and do Lux Max, which is some kind of like <laughs> incel approach of like, how do I take it? Like, accept that I am a ugly guy with nothing going for me, but how can I like maximize what I've got? So he starts lifting weights and taking steroids and like, and then there's someone else who's just like a dork. And he's a bit of a self-identified dork. And he's like, oh, well, like women aren't interested in me and I'm just going to accept that and live my life. But then there's another guy who catfishes people. Like he really hates women and he sets up, he spends his time like setting up fake profiles on Tinder and plenty of fish and stuff, setting up dates with women using like a picture of like a male model at McDonald's. And then he goes in when they're sat waiting for oh, him. He calls and like, them ah, whores and you... stuff. Yeah, you've told me yeah. about this before. He's like, oh, you're a slut. Like, if it if it was really me, then you wouldn't you would never go out on a date with me. But it's only because it was a model. And and the interviewer is like, do you think that perhaps the reason that women don't want to go on a date with you is maybe related to your attitude rather than how you look? He's like, no, nah, man, it's my jawline. It's my like whatever. <laughs> I I didn't know. So I'm gonna play like the I'm gonna play the person who doesn't know what's going on in this conversation. <laughs> so I didn't know much about incel pre you like mentioning we might talk about it chris so it stands for involuntarily celibate right or like that's yes the, yes so the, the the thing that just immediately strikes me as strange when people say like i identify as it is the first word is involuntarily so like something's happening to somebody and they say oh well now i'm going to identify as this so presumably the the culture and a lot of the like the documentaries and the stuff that is discussed about these people is not simply due to the fact that they are involuntarily celibate. It's the fact that there's a community that's developed yeah. as a result of that, where people are then doing things that are not related to that situation that are worse. 
but it's, right. they're bound together with this fatalistic narrative. I mean, you could say in other areas of, of life, people do this too. There's a deaf community. People didn't choose being deaf. Um, mm-hmm. the, the difference is that you have far more control over whether or not you sleep with a woman about than whether you get your hearing back. And this is a, I suppose, th- th- there's a lot going on here. But first off, you can splinter an, an entire group, the incel community, even that down into so many different layers as you've just identified there. And I think that this uh, Jake Davison guy actually posted on Reddit saying that he disagreed with most of the stuff he was seeing in some of these sort of men's forums because he found it quite toxic and not very helpful. There's even mm-hmm. a, a subculture of fake cells within the incel community. And these are people who um, actively try to improve themselves. So there's a, a, a an active disagreement with the personal development and self-growth world because that's seen as being a traitor to the incel movement. You should accept your fate and you should become one of us. And this is where you get these awful... Great attitude. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you also see on the flip side of this, there's these entire apartment blocks in China where single men who can't get a wife live. So because single child policy plus... Uh, Chinese families wanted to have boys rather than girls when it came to having their one child what you've got is this, these huge swaths of men who literally can't find can't find women but as you what have, a consequence of that I, I, know. I wouldn't have even thought that yeah like in 20 years you're creating like yes okay you've got a son big whoop but now in 20 years he's never going to be able to find a wife because there will be literally no women around correct unless you unless you give birth to a chad you're wrecked and <laughs> The, the the other side of this, I mean, so that that's obviously something that's happened because of a, a gender imbalance, but there's definitely an attraction imbalance as you have women that are able to be more educated, richer, and higher status. You have to presume that the, the fundamentals of attraction are that a man needs to be, in my opinion, like three of four out of taller, richer, better educated, and more status. You can have a short man that is smart, rich, <laughs> and well-educated, but and you can split it together in other ways as well, but you're going to really struggle if you only have two of those four. If the woman is both taller and smarter than the man, the attraction is very difficult because there is inherently inbuilt into women an attraction towards status, resources, this level of dominance, and also it, it, it ch- changes the dynamic of the relationship if she's the breadwinner. That's not to say that it doesn't work, but that it is more difficult. It's like being the tall girl friend. Like... Very few women date men that are smaller than them. That means so, that if you're six foot one, you're looking at pro athletes. You're re- reducing down your own dating pool by having that. So yeah, it's not the same as selective breeding over in China, but you can see how there is a increasingly small dating pool for women that are high achievers. And as more women become high achievers, there is a greater number of men at the bottom of that list who aren't really appropriate mates. So that that's an interesting point. And actually, a lot of those characteristics you've mentioned there are modifiable. You know, like height is is non-modifiable. But a lot of the other ones you can, you know, through the self-improvement, through um, socialization, all these kind of things, you can improve them. Now, the attitude that you described there of like, no, we need to accept our fate. We're not allowed to improve because we're, we're all in this mud together or whatever. That is, it, it's a weirdly toxic version of the the kind of flip side of it which is we're all worthy of love as we are and we don't need to you know we are inherently valuable as humans and all that. but it's so it's, it's that seen through a toxic eye which is that 
like I shouldn't have to improve myself to be worthy of um, female company and I shouldn't have to do this. I think to, it's even more than and, that. It's that even if I did, it still wouldn't make a difference. So it's almost they've given up as apathy. Total fatalistic approach, yeah. And I think that it's a, a wonderful way to bind everybody together because if somebody tries to drag themselves out of the mud, you have the crabs that cling on from the bottom of the bucket. It's, it's the crab mentality. But the whole um, point is that if you don't bring anything to the table, then how can you expect anyone to be it's, interested? It's like the opposite of the self-improvement, self-development world, right? Of like, I'm just going to, if I just identify with a group of people who say, well, we're fucked regardless, then you, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's permission to not try and change the situation. Because as you were saying, Yusuf, if like three of, is it three of the four were modifiable or improvable? Yeah. If that's the framework you're playing in, then just improve those things. I think Don't as well, admitting, take some growth. I think that admitting that there's a potential for hope can be quite painful. Whereas just relinquishing any hope is, is the easiest well, way. So that's why when people have missing children, a lot of the time they would actually probably after 10 years or 20 years, they would sooner find out that they were dead than continue going on with that open loop because they just want to close off that situation. And by closing off the potential for improvement, you actually think, well, there's no hope. At least now I know what to expect. I can predict what happens in the future and it's more misery and aloneness. Well, the, like, the definition at the top of Google says that it's just a, it's blaming women for a lack of sexual activity. So by very definition, it's like failing to accept responsibility for the situation. And if you have hope, then it's like, well, I have to change somebody else. Mm. I have to change other people in order for this to improve rather than, well, I can just change myself. And that being said, women are the sexual gatekeepers and men are the sexual protagonists. So a couple of suggestions would be go gay. That no one says no. In the, in, go like, in the, gay. Turn gay. <laughs> just turn gay. Like, all, like there's, gay men have loads more sex. But, I mean, do you... Okay, I, I realize that's a tongue-in-cheek suggestion, but to do you not do think that, that that would be an effective, command. an effective solution? Well, that, that implies that like you can just alter your preferences. Are you saying, Johnny, that some people may not just be able to alter their preferences, like a fashion choice? No, I said it. It, it assumes it. I didn't say that it can or can't be done. Well, <laughs> so something I, I would recommend for for background of anyone listening is have a look at some of the like incel subreddits in fact it might have even been well, shut down a bunch of them it... a bunch of them have been removed but you see if you go to r slash men's rights there's sort of echoes of that it would have gone there. somewhere yeah yeah there's little echoes of it so you're encouraging people to type into google something that is a fairly extremist even term that is then going to feed more of that sort of information back to that person. Well, okay, Reddit so isn't really optimized in that way, so Reddit's actually quite safe like that. But you have Google to is. Yeah. yeah, fair point. Fair <laughs> point. So just type it into your browser and then search within Reddit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it, it's worth having a look and seeing that we're not caricaturing the viewpoints here. Like, it is very much the, the tone in what they're saying. Yeah, scary stuff. And they they kind of revere. Is it what did you say, Elliot Rogers? Yeah, they Elliot hold Rogers. him up as like a a 
a prophet. Yeah, correct. Yeah, they literally say there was this uh, screenshot of a guy who did a shooting in America, and just beforehand, he was talking about how uh, like all hail our hero Elliot Roger or Mister Roger or something like that, referring to that. So yeah, you you do get this. Um, it's so insular, man, and yeah, it, it's difficult. It is difficult, right? Because you have the the bottom. 80% of men are competing for the bottom 20% of women on Tinder and the top 80% of women are competing for the top 20% of men. So like this imbalance, this hypergamous imbalance that you have in attraction, it does lead to men that can't get a date and women that struggle to find a man that they're attracted to. Like this is just, this is one of the challenges. You were saying that these these subreddits have been closed. Some so of you, them. That, do you think that this all like, move towards a world where like predictive algorithms will be able to forecast this kind of violent behavior that, that comes off the back of these, these oh, communities. in fact speaking of which how do you feel about apple's new move have you heard about this that they are now doing server-side scanning of your images to see if it matches with any child abuse images and um and then reporting it to the authorities and I think it's been under fire, not only because Apple have now stepped in from being private company to law enforcer, which is, you know, arguably outside of their their remit. Their counter argument is, well, if you're holding it on our servers, we it's our business to make sure that we've not you've not put dodgy stuff on our servers. But it's the it's more that it's a slippery slope potentially for. Well, if you have the technology in place, you could very much change the database of stuff that you're checking it against to anything that the local government doesn't like i think the, the biggest problem with it is like well firstly <clears throat> it feels slightly hypocritical that a lot of the changes in ios 14 were we don't trust google facebook or any of these other big companies to manage your data so we're going to allow you to say well no they can't do that but we can't aside from no longer using an apple device we can't opt out of this and i, I know like the source reason is right like it's a valid reason of what they're but it's a very it's a very clever valid reason because it's like oh you, you're not in favor of this that mean, must mean that you're pro child abuse then it's yeah. the, the like coming from a like constantly surfing the edge of the algorithms of these these big companies from an advertising perspective like the number of things that they when an when an algorithm is trying to make a decision the number of like false positives it spots in something that's what's most worrying when it's like it's up to something to just scan a photo library and if it sees something that it, it deems to be illegal even if it's com completely not illegal it can be reported to the authorities and you've just got to deal with the backlash didn't you say that it gets passed up to a, a human operator that's going to check first supposedly but then it's, i mean the same thing applies with uh, iMessage but it doesn't go to a, i think it just goes straight to so in iMessage if you have an iCloud account that's registered as under 12 or under 16 and you send an, like a picture that could be seen, could be picked up by the neural network as a naked picture, it'll blur out the picture for the recipient and it'll inform the family of the sender. You are kidding me. So, so if you send a nude at 16 years old... It might be 12 or 13. Okay. But, but yeah, the point yeah. stands that, that it will tell your family. So the, the risk there is that it could be Apple's... It could be the blood on Apple's hands if... Let's say it's a Pakistani gay 12 or 13 year old whose family do an honor killing because they've been informed that they've sent a nude. Shit. That's, it's, a, it's a scary 
potential. As soon as you change yourself from being a communicator to being a policer, everything, you have to try and plug an awful lot of holes in the bottom of the boat and doing them individually on a case-by-case basis like this. Like, I never thought of that. The equivalent would be probably if you were in an Orthodox Jewish community and they found out that you were homosexual. That's it. Like, you're, you're, out, you're out of... I mean, you're not dead, but you're never going to be allowed back into that community again. It's The other side of it is it's placing a lot of emphasis on, like, the algorithm spotting these things. So it needs one instance of it, like... What false positive well false positive or like maybe it 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 identifies differently with like skin tone skin color like lots of different things and suddenly one instance isn't picked up and something happens off the back of it like it just needs one failure for the whole thing to be to fall apart so it's got to if they're going to say like this is what we're doing it needs a 100 percent capture rate we were doing fine without it like It's a bit, I, I think it, it could, so like, I don't know how you two feel about it, but I think even though obviously I'm not, I'm not worried about them, them seeing something illegal in my photos, like I don't really like the idea of it. There's, it's a, it's an invasion thing, isn't it? Like every, they're going to read and look at everything on my phone. So the sad thing is they already have this capacity. It's just that they mm-hmm. haven't turned it on and it's yeah. us becoming aware of the fact that they can do it. The same as when people said, I can't believe that my Alexa has been recording things. How the fuck do you think it knows when you say, hey, Alexa? Like, what do you think it was doing? Like, it's constantly listening. The only difference is the fact that they've recorded it and saved it somewhere. So, like, part of the incredulity that comes with it is just like, look, presume that all tech companies have all access to everything that you do, and they simply haven't decided to flip the switch to be able to look at it. Yeah, or, or they have, and they just don't talk about it publicly. Like yeah. it, it's a good way of looking at it. If you say, "Okay, I have purchased a device that has a built-in microphone and camera and voice recognition and transcription capability and uploading capacity with very high speed and all these like features," like it, this device does that, you'd be like, "Well, what could it potentially do if I didn't want it to?" So I think that the difference here is them is Apple openly saying we are going to report these this information to, to the authorities isn't it like i yeah. think we I, I already feel like everything i type into whatsapp or every gmail email or every facebook messenger conversation or whatever is read by something but at least they don't they don't publicly say if you say this word uh yeah you're gonna have <laughs> yeah you're, you're gonna have some consequence to deal with that like we're not going to be involved in we're just going to pass your information on and if we're right or whatever then so That's that you to deal with. that actually has given rise to the the theory that Apple it, that it wasn't really Apple's decision because uh, from a profit perspective, I'm not sure why that why they would launch something like this. Mm-hmm. And so some people have suggest, have claimed that it could be Apple have been strong armed by some government to say like, oh, you need to launch this mm-hmm. and subject to a gag order. It just feels so. Like the other thing they're doing in iOS 15 is is they're removing like um, the ability for for companies like. ConvertKit and Active Campaign, all these things to say that someone's opened an email, right? Which like is arguably really damaging all these businesses that don't have ill intent, at least as far as I know, right? So what would there be the be... reason for protecting people from knowing whether or it's not just, an email's been opened? It's a privacy thing, right? The okay. whole thing's yeah, a privacy yeah. thing. So like you can now say that Facebook, Google, all these other third-party companies can't track you on iOS 14, and you're now going to be able to say that 
you can create single use, which is Yusuf's dream. You can create like single instance email addresses within <laughs> oh. within within Apple, okay. so that you just someone receives a promo, a promo email once, and then you're not they're not on an email list, which affects so many businesses, right? And it's all in the name of privacy. But at the same time, they're saying we're going to look at all your photos. Yeah. It just doesn't like. I know that the agendas are different behind the two decisions, but it it feels very hypocritical. Of like, well, we own the hardware, so we have one set of rules. But everybody else, it's like, difficult to take this sort of Puritan uh, talking point about safety and security, and you can own your own data, whilst at the same time doing something that's completely like analog. The opposite. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, have you been looking at this Afghanistan Afghanistan situation? <laughs> because I tweeted yesterday saying I I don't really know what like are people complaining about the fact that we've pulled out should we have never been there in the first place is there an argument that we should have left troops on site like i think 400 and 400 and something british troops have been killed there since we landed and there's the everybody seems to have an opinion and nobody seems to have a solution we're operating on incomplete information as well i think many of the big global events over the last 30 years there's always going to be partial information that's not public and maybe is leaked and released over the next 20 or 30 years by the time it's irrelevant. But yeah, it seems like a kind of, I suppose you have to pull a stop loss at some point and say, you know what, we can't help with this. But then the consequence is that as soon as you do, there's this big like the dam breaks and everything floods back. And, and we're seeing that in the photos, the, the one you sent before of like people sat on the, the wing of an airplane or like the traffic jams or climbing up into the airport. Dude, there's a, I can't remember the name of the plane. It's a American military plane, like a C, C60 or something, like a big, just, it's a hangar. It's a huge lorry out the back with nothing in it. And they managed to fit 800 people into one of these compartments out the back absolute ryanair style yeah <laughs> yeah it's still better quality than ryanair um yeah and then i saw a video of a plane moving down the runway it didn't look like it was about to take it wasn't at takeoff speed but there was people holding on to the wings while it's taking off well i don't know if it was a, it wasn't at takeoff speed and there was a lot of people running in front of it but surely if, you'd die surely you're not lasting yeah, not, you're not lasting the, the, the odds aren't great, yeah well, you'd have to have yeah. really good... What if you use straps? Because Johnny reckons that straps are cheating. <laughs> well, you'd need a strap that went around the wing. Yeah, so I th- I just think one of those little... Like... No, I think, I think they'd run into freezing. like oxygen altitude problems, yeah, temperature. And like, you'd need a lot of chalk. You would need a lot of chalk to get... To Maybe get... even a belt, to be honest. To get I don't think the belt would help. Knee sleeves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd be the guy with knee sleeves who stays on. Everyone else would be like... Did you see, um, I, I swear it was Biden that tweeted a couple of months ago saying this will not be a last chopper out of Saigon moment. And someone's quote tweeted it with a photo of a helicopter landing on the top of the US embassy in the middle of Afghanistan to pick some people up and take them away. Bloody hell. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks fairly horrendous, doesn't it? Every image, everything that's coming out of it. But as, as Yusuf says, like, it, how do you form an opinion on something when you only see like the the, the headlines 
you see like the filtered view of it, don't Johnny, you? Johnny, are you saying that the internet is supposed to take their time <laughs> and fully research a problem before they actually decide to like... commit to making a, making a comment about don't it? Don't be ridiculous. I <laughs> know. Oh, How dare I? Every time you say, are you saying, I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> He's going to Kathy Newman me. I'm getting Kathy <laughs> here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I watched the, um, the, the snippet of your interview on, I can't remember, GB it, News. GB yeah. News. Where there was a, the segment I saw involved a lot of are you sayings yeah. thrown in your direction. Correct. And you just sort of like leading on the sofa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that was Andrew. Andrew was trying to stitch me up, so I'm passing the parcel on to you today. <laughs> yeah, he. Um, they brought up as well on that about the SNP instructing schools that children should be able to decide their gender without parental consent and that a teacher must comply with that child's wish. Children as young as four can change their names and gender at school without parental consent. Teenagers of opposite sexes can share rooms on residential trips. Likewise, for those who identify as something else can share a room with others who identify differently. Gender-neutral toilets and the SMP have become so obsessed with trans rights that safeguarding is now a nightmare. Um, I mean, my business partner's kids often identify as astronauts in the morning and then train drivers in the afternoon and you know, a rocket man before, before dinner, so... That's it, isn't it? It's like, I, I mean, I can't really remember being that age, but I, I can remember being like 17 and still not really feeling that like I would trust a 17-year-old version of me to make permanent Any decision. decision. Yeah. So I think if there's no, if you can just do whatever you want at that age and there's no like guidelines or guardrails, if there's permanent consequences, it's maybe a little bit unfair, I think. Well, on the... Yeah. Ray Dalio talks about this where like, the permanence of a decision is proportional to how long you should spend on it and how mm -hmm. reversible the decision is. But again, it's, it's, it's this balance between someone's right to gender expression and the potential for that right to be exploited by characters who want to, and, and there isn't an easy solution. Like the, was there not that guy who went to prison for some kind of series of sexual assaults or rapes or something and then he said i want to go in the women's prison and then he just continued offending identified as a woman and then yeah moved across i mean i don't think that that's a rare that's a particularly rare story anymore and obviously children that uh, this isn't a permanent consequence you know to to steal man the other side it's not a permanent consequence to change their gender expression or to change their name and do things like that but at four years old allowing the child to do anything you know if the child was late to school the parents would probably be told changing their gender expression and their name. And it's like, I, I think one of the concerns that some people have is that it indulges and perhaps actually encourages in children something which at that age is so confusing and maladaptive that it can put them down paths that's a little bit difficult. So Andrew Doyle talks a lot. He's a gay man and he talked about the fact that he didn't do sports, he didn't do football at school. I think he maybe even did sort of dance or ballet or something and he was really into acting. Like, he would have absolutely been classed as probably a, a, a future female under this particular uh, particular sort of worldview. And it is kind of a rehabilitated homosexual hatred in a way that some of it is that a butch girl or a, a, a female as like a girly bloke, that these can't be seen as someone that might actually be homosexual. It's like, no, you're heterosexual, but in the wrong body. Yeah. But there's not much downside. I mean, if if they're four years old, you say, do you want to do you want to stay with the girls or stay with the boys? Like, I think the, 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 there's not too much of a potential risk. I think when it's 
13, 14, like potentially more of a risk in terms of like sexual age. But then at four, like, you know, th- there's an argument to say, like, let let them experiment, let them do what they want. Because, you know, if you say to a four year old kid, do you want a dinosaur for breakfast? Like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. But then equally, as you say, if, if there's a permanent thing, like, would do you want to shoot the teacher? Like, yes. Like, obviously, you don't mean it. But if you allowed them to carry that out, then a few years later, they'd be like, oh, I wish I hadn't, wish you hadn't let me shoot that teacher. Because mm-hmm. well, even in- there's, a dif- there's a difference between posing the question to them and it allowing it to naturally arise. And I think, like, as you say, like, if you if you say, do you want to do this at four years old? You maybe just don't have the the information or the life experience to, to evaluate that decision. So you might just say yes or no, you know, like it's hard to know. I can't remember what it's like to be four. Mm. I don't imagine very many people can. But yeah, like it, if something naturally arises and like that's a request, I think it's di- that that to me anyway feels different to what about to not telling the parents as if they ask them, do you want to do this or not? So a, they say a, yes or a boy, no, a boy comes into school and says, I want to be referred to as Rebecca. I'm now a girl. And they do not tell the parents that this is something that's that's happening. I mean, if you can imagine if that was your child that was going into school and you found out that for six months your child had been living a, a four-year-old kid or a five-year-old kid had been living a double life. Well, it's fine because mm-hmm. you'd find out because Apple would tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Get a notification from like, family parental <laughs> yeah. control. The school, the school would try not to pass the information on, but they'd have no choice. Yeah, so. because your Alexa, the, the Google HomePod would have been listening in and would have sent an alert that your child had changed their iCloud name. Yeah, Go- Google won't know. Like Google won't be able to see your search history, but Apple will just send a text to the parents. So it's neither here nor there. Fine. But yeah, it, it seems like a, a yeah. A, I would want to know as the parent. But I guess, like, it depends on... Presumably you have a right to know to... as a parent. It feels like the answer, the, the natural answer to that is yes, I suppose. Because, the, so the the metric that they use in medicine, if you have, say, a 13-year-old girl who's saying, I'm sexually active, and it's whether you inform the parents or not, is mm. you have to make a, a decision as to whether they are Gillick competent, which is based on an old legal case of you know gillick versus whatever Mm. and it's is this person despite the fact that they are below the age of consent do they still have the necessary ability to weigh up the consequences of their decisions requisite agency almost free will yeah but you you would you know you would want to i mean again this is assuming that like there's the right intentions there and the the information's received well like you would want to provide the relevant support as a parent to that person and to to not have the information and to go on assuming that that's not happening, I think like takes the takes something off the parents to be able to support their child correctly. But you as are going a, through a decision. You're, you're the guardian, right? You're the one that's supposed to be the caregiver. You're liable for whether or not. I mean, people look at fat kids and blame it on the parents for feeding them the wrong food. The only reason that, like, if if your children were able to get fat and physically not show it, and you could be culpable for the fact that internally they were getting really, really fat, like this gate, like gatekeeping community, uh, gatekeeping information from the parents about something which is absolutely crucial to the child's well-being, like, I don't know. It, again, it kind of comes back to this intersecting ideologies thing here that you have certain parts of certain um, worldviews that just don't agree with each other, and 
given the fact that the LGBT community, I think it wouldn't surprise me if you're going to see more challenges up against parenting because you're going to have a lower proportion of parents represented within that community. And you think, well, I mean, where do you go from there? It's a real challenge. And yeah, and you know, you've made a comparison of being secretly fat. And I, I realize I'm also conflating sexual preference with gender preference and that they're, they're not the same. And, you know, there's mm. different ages at which that becomes the parent's problem and, and the child's problem and so on. So it's a, it is just a very difficult one to navigate. And I don't think you can really set like a, you know, between this age and this age, because it does just depend on consent and what the relationship is and whether someone has the capacity to make a decision about themselves. Should Apple be reporting like potentially dangerous search history of children to their parents? Oh, like you know, like type stuff. For example, yeah, like linking out. I suppose linking together what we've just been talking about. Like if the if these thing if the parent is supposed to be the the guardian of you know encouraging the right or the wrong decisions, and you see a flag like that, should that be reported? Again, it's a challenge, man. Like, at what point? Where does anonymity, or where are you guaranteed anonymity, and where should it, where should it exist? Where should yeah. the privacy, where should the privacy exist for that? I mean, I had Seth Stevens Davidowitz on, who's a data analyst, and he'd done all of these different correlations to do with Google search history, uh, and he was able to identify. It was him that was able to find out where COVID cases were going to spike seven days before they did by looking for search uh, the search history aggregated, so this is totally anonymized, um, of what people were looking for. Why have I lost my sense of smell? Why am I so hot when I sleep at night? And he, wow. was, he was able to predict seven days out where the highest cases were. So that was the quickest route to be able to work out what was going on. He was also able to see um, locations where there were higher rates of suicide based on some of the search histories, like how, how to deal with depression, um, what to do if you're feeling suicidal. All of these aggregated searches were correlated with high levels of suicidality within a particular location. It's That's when a whole the... new level, isn't it? Where like the captures and they can pick up early signs of Parkinson's from the tremor in your mouse. Now, do they report that to the health insurance company? Like, does the insurance company have a right to know before you do? Do they have the right to even tell you? Because they've diagnosed a problem that you didn't actually go and ask them to but then one side of that like it's it's anonymous data isn't it it's trends of search terms by volume in newcastle versus this person has exhibited this behavior it's a very different like i don't mind i don't mind my search history being used as, as ways to like improve things but if i'm going to experience like because i was a bit shaky with my mouse when i was clicking on the which of these squares have a have a traffic light in them like and I'm your gonna, premium goes up. I'm gonna yeah. Have my yeah, like I don't know how I feel about that versus the. It's weird, isn't it? Because information. what we're relying on is a level of opaqueness between what the insurance company knows about us and what is actually happening about us. And there is a degree of game playing going on here. Like if you are at risk for Parkinson's, or if you are have like early Parkinson's uh, like onset um, symptoms, then it's probably quite right that the insurance company is supposed to know about it. The fact that the current level of finesse with which they can see your entire sort of medical makeup isn't there 
I mean, you know, what, what's the job of the insurance company? Is the job of the insurance company to make premiums based on information that they're given or make premiums based on your health? Have, have you guys seen or have we discussed coded bias on Netflix? No, but I've had an interview with the guy who did some research for it. <laughs> right. You should watch it because it, it talks about like, because ultimately the problem here is there is AI processing this information at large scale. And it's like we're relying on fair processing. We're relying on like an algorithm to make a decision that's going to influence like, can we get a mortgage? Can we get a credit card? What is our insurance costing based on some things that like all the way down to how you move your mouse or what you search on Google? And, you know, is it fair for those things? Is it fair for the code to have a bias, basically? And how do you police that if something's just being if something's happening constantly? How do you like should a human with emotional bias come in and, and insert their bias on top of the code bias? Or like, how do you manage like it, it could potentially all be fine or it could potentially all be catastrophic <laughs> and i feel I like suppose... all technology like all the precipices of technology that we're approaching now are subject <laughs> to that like it, it could all be great or it could all kill us all yeah and you, a... you've got to make a decision based on no information <laughs> just hope for the best yeah well, i had i had stuart russell on the show the guy that wrote the book on artificial intelligence and his most recent one human compatible is about the control problem the scariest thing that I learned from that was that the social media content selection algorithms, the ones that literally try to get click uh, click throughs and time on site, that's all that they're bothered about. Get people on and keep them on. That's all that they were asked to optimize. So what they want is to be better able to predict the preferences of the users. If they can put content in front of them that they're more likely to click on and more likely to stay on, then it has achieved its goal. There's actually two ways that the algorithm, it would appear, there's two ways the algorithm could achieve that. First one is to become better at predicting what the users want. The second one is to manipulate the user's preferences to make them more predictable. And it turns mm. out that social media content feed selection <clears throat> algorithms have been doing the second one a lot more. So when everybody says about, oh, you've got this increasing sort of these extremist views on the internet, everybody's far left or everybody's far right or everybody's pro this or not that. And this is because of echo chambers. It's because you have these very sort of siloed communities in which people only hear one point of view. Well, yeah, that's part of it. But another part of it is that the algorithms almost have like a an email trigger sequence, a several-year email trigger sequence that takes somebody that clicks on a thing and then slowly tries to push their preferences. Because if you're out on the extremes, you're a lot more predictable. If you're in the middle, you can flip left or flip right on different conversations. But if you're out in the extremes, it's very easy to see what's going to annoy you, what's going to make you feel like your views are being confirmed. And um, yeah, finding out that algorithms were manipulating us rather than manipulating the content was probably the scariest thing I learned from that book. Uh, it's interesting. I think people think social media, so people think like Instagram and Twitter and Facebook are like that now, like, or they're more aware of it. So they think, oh, well, when I see posts around like, election time on facebook it's kind of clouded by that yeah but a lot of people at least people i talk to think that google is this kind of fair playing ground where when i search something i receive like the same as everybody else who searches that term and thinks there's no involvement in because like you're literally searching a question a lot of the time right or like you want to to find some information and it gives you an answer and you're like oh well that's the answer right there's no assumption that well there's bias in like my search history, what's going to get me to click, 
the ads that I see at the top, the things that I've like looked at or not looked at in the past. It's that Google gives you the best answer for you, but that's not necessarily the most true, most true thing that you're. Or the most relevant thing for you, yeah. Mm. Yeah. and you know for for a while i think before we realized this we were like oh we're ranking really well like if you search propane anything like we come up on the top page and then we were like ah no that's just us it's biased um, by your own search history of constantly searching for your own stuff to see how highly it's ranking yeah, yeah. exactly whereas um you know so i i was a big fan of brave browser i've recently moved back to safari just just for the seamlessness but it brave have not to the fbi so yeah exactly <laughs> just in time to be able to upload all my photos so brave have their own search engine similar to DuckDuckGo. it's their own private search engine and it's similar user interface to google similar speed so you don't notice that you're using something different but the goal is exactly that trying to achieve much more of a objective search result one of the things that i really loved about medium when i started using that was that articles appeared based on popularity not based on relevance, because a lot of the time the search terms that you're putting in are a little bit inaccurate. And I would I would appreciate a version of Google or a, a version of a search engine where it was the most popular that were at the top. Now, obviously, that can be gamed as well through Limbic Hijack and other sorts of games. But if you were able to crowdsource the points of view that were most viewed, that would give you an interesting perspective. Well, that's... That's how the Reddit, internet right? originally was, and Reddit, yeah. I think Reddit has started to play a bit more of the game now as well. But Where you can change the filter, so you can sort by most like most upvoted yeah, or top most Top of all time or whatever. Yeah. So the only problem with something like the Reddit format is that most people will only scroll down to the, the first three, third or fourth page. And so anything, that there's a really strong initial bias where if something gets 10 upvotes in the first 20 minutes, it's going to absolutely yep. fly and so you have to break through the inertia and then the things which are performing really well continue to perform well so it's getting the initial traction that's a problem it's the, that's the same thing with google right like you've heard the phrase like i i hit it where someone will never find it on the second page of google <laughs> like no one ever no one ever scrolls through the first page and go no no i don't think i like any of these i'm gonna look it must at be on the second page, page. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so like all of the things that do well these well. Matthew, Matthew principles occur everywhere. But you see this with YouTube too, right? Like 80% of your plays will come from the 20%, top 20% of your videos that you have on your channel, or maybe even more. In fact, I would say YouTube is the most algorithmically manipulated platform of them all. Like it's yeah. so, but the, the, the price that you pay in terms of it being so manipulated, you benefit in the fact that I don't have any other social media where my feed is so right for me. There is always... Like so, so much. To, three to or four you, things that I want to watch. You could spend an entire day just watching the next uh, related video, you know, the top related video next recommendation. You could just do that all day. It's, I'm, I'm so long YouTube. I just think it's brilliant. <laughs> like if you think, go back like five, six years and the quality of YouTube content and now like it is TV quality production. Yeah. Like I, I would sooner go to YouTube than Netflix, to be honest, to find something interesting. Have, you gone, have you gone premium yet? I haven't. Oh come on! I'm trapped in the in in the the propane account, so I'm in Yusuf's infrastructure. <laughs> but you can just pay for it. You can just pay for it, and then you'll both get to use premium. Okay. Seventy nine p. Seventy nine p. If you do it through Argentina, yeah, you need a VPN. <laughs> through Argentina, we how did to get our Google account banned? Such a great solution. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't. Yeah. I paid full price for it. 
It's so worth it. Anyone that hasn't gone YouTube Premium, like, think about how much you value your time at, and you're clicking through two seven-second ad previews every time right. you, you want to so watch that, a video. I mean, that, like, but part of that for me is <clears throat> I like to see. I, I I watch the ads. I watch what people are doing every time. Pretty much, yeah. Wow. Because you can infer like the targeting that somebody's using. You can see the ad creative. The the click the landing page so you're listening to a master of his craft you've got to take you've got to take part in the game if you want to i want to benefit from the game i'm gonna i'm gonna let them play around with me i really respect that johnny like you're you're very morally consistent with the way that you see paid advertising i just think like i don't want to use an ad blocker i don't like i opt into everything on ios 14 you know the people who complain about tracking and then you want more tracking they they complain (laughs) about irrelevant posts on instagram like you're an idiot like you opted out what do you think they're gonna do like it's gonna get worse and worse over time you're still gonna get ads you're not turning the ads off you're just turning off relevant your ads, ads. yeah yeah, yeah. Do you remember when we were watching i can't remember where we were maybe in my house watching something on tv on youtube and this is before i had youtube premium and an ad came up and you said these fucking idiots here what do they think they're doing everybody knows that you shouldn't what you should deselect deselect tv as a placement yeah yeah, because no one's going to click through on TV. You can see, so if you've ever been served an ad on YouTube, like the same ad, like five times in a week, that is a big no-no. Like there should be an impression cap. So you can always spot the, you can spot the, the noobs. Grammarly. Yeah. This, I saw a video the other day about their, how much they've spent on, so that, speak to anybody who like watches YouTube videos, they'll have, they'll have seen a Grammarly ad. And then think about that. Think about the number of impressions they've served. Absolutely. How much did they spend? I, it's in. I, I can't remember the number, but it is. It is astronomical. Do you? Do either of you two have Grammarly? No. Use Grammarly. I don't either. Do you know anyone that does? No. Interesting. Mm, what? What is it? I like. They just check your grammar on like anything. I think on a browser, anything you type into a browser. Oh, so it takes them. all the data that you type. <laughs> sends it to, send it to Apple. Reads it. <laughs> <laughs> and then charges you money for that privilege and then goes oh you could have put a comma there oh thanks yeah thank great yeah. 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 gentlemen thank you very much for joining me if people want to find out what you've got coming up soon with propane fitness and propane business where should they go propanefitness.com forward slash modern wisdom and what's on that's for, that that's for people who want to learn how we do what we do so if you want to build an online fitness business or an online business of any kind yourself that's the best place to go if you just want some macros propanefitness.com and then just use the calculator on the main page and if you want to see what we're up to youtube.com forward slash propane fitness we are going balls in on youtube at the moment and pumping out some fun stuff i love it cheers boys thank you see ya